Welcome, everyone. This is Mia Ferroletto, publisher of New Observations Magazine. I am delighted to be able to bring to you today four of the attendees of our recent Consciousness and Contact Conference in Wasta, South Dakota, the weekend of July 23rd through the 27th. Um, they will share with you their experience um, at the conference and the various activities that um, we participated in during that time. Welcome to the show, Annie and Maffie and Dennis and Joe. Thanks, Mia. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so um, to get started, I'd like to ask each of you to just give a little bit of background about yourselves and what brought you to the conference. Um, Annie, how about we start with you? Okay. Well, hello. My name's Annie. Uh, my last name is Wenger Nabigon. I teach social work at Algoma University in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. And I've had a 40-year-long career as a clinical social worker in both the U.S. and in Canada. In 2006, I moved to Canada permanently, and um, eventually I married my friend Herb Navigon, and we had a very beautiful and special life together for 10 years, and I <clears throat> became very deeply embedded into the Anishinaabe way of life. So that has, that has capped the previous life that I experienced navigating um, a professional career, being a single mother of two daughters, and <clears throat> coming out of a background from a, a rather conservative Mennonite background, I look back over my life and I find it quite amazing how, how many wonderful gifts have come to me just through opening myself to being connected with the land, with spirit, being open to other people and other people's experiences, so when I met Mia a few years ago when we were living in um, Vermont, <clears throat> where I was um, living with my daughter who was in graduate school at the time, I eventually returned to Canada and and came back to work, and that was following the death of my husband. So I've been on a journey for the last four and a half years of creating a new life for myself. Going to the conference last year that was at Pine Ridge and then again this year, which was on traditional Lakota territory, has been a very important part of that process of rebuilding for myself. So this conference played a pretty pretty important part in that. So I'll pass to the next person. Thank you, Annie. Um, Maffie, would you like to um, share something about yourself? Sure. Um, well, I'm a freelance artist based in New York City. Um, I work in cybernetics and I explore um, my 
spirituality through technology. Um, cybernetics is, is the science that explores communication between humans or living beings and machines. Um, so um, my interest, I, I was interested in, in the conference after um, after I collaborated uh, for New Observations issue number uh, 133, um, I have a connection with you, Mia, and you uh, told me about um, this space in Wasta for um, artists, the Thunderheart uh, Center for the Arts, that is a project on development. So I was really interested in um, this project and participated in this experience uh, in South Dakota. And I also was very interested to have a close um, encounter with the Lakota culture, things, of course, because of my research, but also because my own spiritual um, search. So that's why I felt very connected with the conference and with the idea of, of going there. Thank you, Maffey. Um, Joe, how about you? Sure. My name is Joe Krawczak. I live on the big island of Hawaii. I'm retired. I spend most of my time here working on my, around my property and then in my free time, I pursue spiritual pursuits uh, with meditation and reading. And I first became a con aware of the conference a year ago, listening to Mia and Whitley's uh, podcast, their interview about the conference. That was a 2019 conference. It sounded like an amazing group of people. And I became aware then that you were doing one this year, some months ago. I didn't think I'd, I was going to be able to make it. But then through just some serendipities, just in like a month before the conference, uh, everything lined up, and I was able to attend and delighted to do so. Thank you, Joe. And last but not least, Dennis. So uh, my name is Dennis O'Neill, and I was for quite some time a community activist in Chicago working on housing and education uh, issues and in the city, right downtown, um, mostly education, but also a uh, large redevelopment of federal public housing. My undergraduate degree is in bioengineering, and I've always had an interest in uh, consciousness and, and neuroscience along with genetics. And the reason I attended the conference was because I heard uh, your interview, Mia, last year in August um, with Alfred Lebr uh, Weber, and you, you did a really nice wrap-up of the conference, and it immediately struck me as something that I needed to attend. Um, so I attended this year, and uh, it was really really an amazing experience for me. I really appreciated being there and got a lot out of it. Um, just wonderful people and a wonderful setting. Well, if, if each of you could um, choose a, a single word or two about the conference, your, you know, primary, your primary takeaway, what would that word be? Well, Mia, I think for me, the word would be, this is Annie, I, I think the word would be expansive. I just found that in so many ways, I opened up um, and I, I 
the land is so expansive. The spirit is so expansive there. And it was such it was such a nice break from all the hard work I've been doing here in Canada to to just come and feel a lot of that lifted away and have that expansive experience. That's great. Anybody else? Yes, uh Martha here. Um I I experienced a very profound awakening during this um uh, experience. Both I mean it was the conference, all the activities that we did during the conference, the travels, but also uh being in the place in Wasta and and the exhibition. I mean all the whole experience for me really transformed me, changed me and and I'm deeply grateful uh with you and, and the whole group. I think everybody was very important to be there, definitely. I agree. I, I it was a group effort and um uh in in good ways and in bad ways, but it it definitely um triggered and inspired and prompted all kinds of different things to come up during the course of the uh, three and a half days that we were all together. Um, Joe? Sharing and unfolding are two words that come to mind for me. There was just a tremendous sharing among the people there. And I think we, we really uplifted each other in many, many ways, you know, both in the sessions and then in our interactions outside of the sessions. So I really, really appreciated all the sharing and all the upliftment that was going on there. And then for me personally, there was a great kind of unfolding in my own, uh, my own kind of spiritual work. I'd, I'd had a deep uh, intuition, just a deep knowing before I went, that if I went there, I would have an opportunity to lead a group meditation. And it turned out that was the case. In fact, I ended up leading one every single day, three days in a row. And uh, people really seemed to respond positively to that, and I was extremely grateful because I'd never done anything like that before. So it was a great kind of unfoldment for me personally, as well as all the sharing we did as a group. That's great. That's wonderful. Dennis, how about you? For me, the word would be transformative. I've been living for about the last year and a half in a Buddhist monastery in the mountains, so I do a lot of meditating and I'm in nature all day long, and I, I was preparing for this conference, and it was transformative for me. It really um, I, I just opened me up spiritually. I felt a lot of growth, and the land out there is very powerful, and it's impactful. You can't help but feel it, um, especially the sacred sites that we visited, and the speakers also were phenomenal. So it was transformative for me. That's great. The the speakers were incredible, and even though Whitley um, misplaced his driver's license and was unable to get on the plane the the morning the event began uh, and had to stay home, and uh, Linda Moulton Howe did not want to travel because of the virus, and Barbara Lamb's family uh, rebelled at the idea that um, she would come to South Dakota with the virus. we still had 10 extraordinary speakers, and in many ways, the conference uh, turned to consciousness 
as opposed to contact, even though we did cover contact a bit. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Were you disappointed that we weren't focusing more on ETs or what's your response to the way things unfolded? Well, this is Joe. For me personally, it was perfect. You know, I, I know the ETs are real. I've studied them for years. I'm not a contactee myself, but my own journey is really one of consciousness. So for me, the, 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 whole, the way everything unfolded at the conference and the emphasis on consciousness was just perfect, and it reaffirmed my own path, and I think it was timely for everybody there because it's empowering. You know, we are ultimately in charge of our own consciousness, whereas we may or may not have contact or you know, interactions with ETs. It seems a little bit beyond our control. Our consciousness is entirely 100% in our control. So it's extremely actionable for us in that, in that regard. Mm-hmm. I really resonate with what you just said. Um, I, I think for me the primary motivation in attending the conference was to, to build on the consciousness aspects of my own experiences that I've been um, immersed in since I was a wee little one. And that was my primary motivation in going to the conference. So the um, ET experience that I had there was unusual and for me and quite surprising. And I, um, I found it to be a, a more of an addendum to the consciousness component of what I experienced when I was there. Well, um, you you were part of two sightings. Is that correct, Annie? At, Use um, Devil's yeah, Tower yeah. and then again in Wasta? Right, right. And that was all on the same night. So, um, No, they were separate nights. Oh, that's right, that, yeah. I, I get them a bit confused. <laughs> yeah, things sort of blended together. It's all one flow of amazing experience. But the last night, seeing the ship on top of the hill above the hotel, and I was the I was the solitary person standing there watching and thinking how unusual that was for me to be able to see that so clearly and not be in a place of questioning or longing or judging or evaluating. It was just, okay, this is what it is, and um, no problem. That's great. Okay, time to go to bed. (laughs) I mean, it was was just really uh, quite quite interesting. So uh, I I, I came back. To my home and I have some friends who have a place out on Lake Superior where they often see sightings. So as soon as I am no longer in quarantine, I'm planning on spending a night out there and seeing seeing what I observe. <clears throat> oh, that's great. That'll be wonderful. Yeah. Yes, in, in my case... Um, I think I I feel very close to what everybody's saying. Um, I I went there very open. I knew that I was going to be in a in a experience that was going to be very important for me in my life. I have that that um, sensation before going, but it was really in 
interesting and uh, surprising for me how deep it was. I mean, I, in my case, my vision uh, developed differently. Um, and this has been something that I'm trying, I was dealing with when I was a child. Um, and it, it happened here. Um, like, I, I just open up. I, I think something that was really important for me was to be there with a group of people that had different spiritual experiences and backgrounds and without fear sharing their experiences with others. I think that got me um, into also a, a space for myself to accept myself and and my nature and that that you know with a experience that we had in these uh sacred places specifically were like beyond what I never imagined was going to happen. So I'm still processing. Um trying to put it into words is very difficult. Um but I'm doing it. I'm writing. <laughs> oh, that's great. We're going yeah. to take our first break here. We'll be uh, back shortly. Welcome back to the show. Matthew, did you have anything else you wanted to um, include? No, I think it's, it's, that was like the main idea. Okay. Anybody else? Um, for, for, I, I really was mainly interested in attending the conference for the consciousness um, aspects, not so much the contact. Uh, I, I was really there for spiritual growth and to learn more about consciousness and to be uh, on land that is sacred to the Lakota people. And so all three of those uh, were really fulfilled in, in, in my eyes, and so it was, it was a wonderful time. Well, the Lakota believe that um, their ancestors are uh, part of the land, really living in the dirt, part of the dirt. Um, their word for dirt is ma-ka, and um, they believe that, they, that we all walk on their ancestors. And certainly when we were all at at Bear Butte, I for one could feel the ancestors all there with us. You know, Mia, one of the takeaways for me has been since returning home, a much deeper sense of connection with spirit in nature and nature in spirit. And I, I, I have different visualizations now when I meditate, when I pray, when I, when I'm just reflecting on things and when I interact with the plants in my garden and the trees in my yard and I look at the sky, it's, um, there's a dimensionality to it that is expanded for me and added a lot of beauty to, to my perception of the world in which I, I live and move and breathe and how connected I am. So I came away with a deeper sense of connection between my spirituality and the earth, and that was one of the things that I had been hoping for in this conference. So um, 
I, I, I'm quite, quite happy with having been able to have that experience. The, that was the same, the same experience I've had. It's interesting you mentioned that because I, um, I'm already deeply connected to nature. I live in the mountains in the middle of the woods. But when I got back, I noticed a, a much stronger connection to nature and spiritual connection. And I suddenly had a lot of deer and bear hanging around the little cabin I live in. So it was kind of interesting. It was a, a mama bear with three cubs that was spending a fair amount of time walking back and forth past my where I, where I live and uh, deer hanging out. So it, it's... Um, it was a similar experience for me. Mm-hmm. Well, the animals definitely gravitate. The higher um, we go dimensionally, the higher um, we access our our own spirituality, uh, they pick up on it and actually absorb it and feel more comfortable. Um, but but uh, also do t- tend to do. Um, to exhibit more enlightened behavior as well. It's it's quite amazing um, to see how interconnected we all are, regardless of whichever kingdom we belong to. Um, we're not solitary beings uh, no, at all. We're, yeah, I agree. We're deeply connected, and you know, ultimately, we're all one. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I felt the same i'm listening to you all and it's really amazing to see that even being so different um we had very similar deep experiences that that's what i refer when i say that my vision that i i felt like an awakening because you know i i, I cannot come back i the things that i saw there and the experiences that i have with the nature, the the animals, the people, uh, the things that I heard. Um, one of the things that was really into me uh, was the experience that we had with Henry Redcloud and also with Chief Avril. Um, the things that they told me, told us, everybody, but, you know, uh, really, I really got into into a different dimension a different realm and i feel you know i change in that way it's, it's now i feel different um and the way that i interact with the world with myself with others um changed too so it's very very deep mm-hmm. yeah I yeah they were that. wonderful experiences annie I just said I really I hear that from Massey that um that connection and the change that takes place in a human being's consciousness when they are able to open to the oneness of the spirit that connects us all at on all levels in all realms um it <clears throat> This is the restoration of indigenous spirit, and we all share that. We all have our roots in that. It's been layered over by centuries and centuries and centuries of um, materialism and desire and control. And I, I think we're in a time where we're facing a deep longing in human nature 
to to break free of that, to be past all of that, and to to go back to our Mother Earth and to really know what it is to have that indwelling of spirit in us that we are also in that. It's so much bigger, and yet it's so small and simple, just like relating to the little flies that get trapped in our house or the the little spiders. I, I have such more of an awareness with the little things since I came back than I had before, and that that's so important. It's... um. It's just so sad that there's so much suffering going on when this this world, this time here that we humans have can be so profound and so beautiful. So being in Wasta with the group and encountering people and encountering the land and the spirit and hearing Arvel Looking Horse and his wife speak, hearing Henry Red Cloud and his wife Gloria, I... I, I feel so enriched and so fortunate to have had this experience. Yeah, they were amazing. Um, Chief Chief Arvel and Paula drove 12 hours to spend a few hours with us. And wow. um, Henry came out of quarantine um, with Gloria to come and join us at Bear Butte to talk about his great-great-grandfather, Chief Red Cloud, and uh, the seventh generation um, so, you know, both of those experiences were so, uh, meaningful, uh, for us and for them. I've heard from both of them, uh, how much they got out of it as, as well. And coincidentally with the, with the conference, um, Henry, the Friday before the conference began, drove to Iowa to meet a representative from the Smithsonian Museum who returned Chief Red Cloud's feather bonnet to Henry, which has been part of the Smithsonian collection for many, many, many years. And it was the first time that a Lakota held the bonnet since Chief Red Cloud was alive. Um, And I asked Henry if he had received an electrical charge from it, and he said he sure did. (laughs) So for the bonnet to come back to Pine Ridge you know, just at the same time as our conference is significant as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I, I was... Go ahead, sorry. I, I was really struck by by um, Bear Lodge or Devil's Tower and how powerful it was. It, I've been to a lot of places in beautiful places on this planet, and there was so much power at that, at that place. And, and, uh, you you know, you can't help but wonder what it was like when the Lakota were, were living there. Um, when you, when you see the land out in South Dakota, it's, it's really profound. And often when I was driving, I, I just wondered what it must've been like, um, couple of centuries ago i'm sure it was absolutely beautiful because it's it's still very beautiful um and and being out there and seeing that land for me was a big part of the experience there's something very powerful oh the land is amazing um we are about to take our second break we'll be right back welcome back to the show we had the um benefit of having richard fox who's perhaps the 
the head druid in North America join us as a speaker and discuss the difference between science and magic and the power of the land out here. Um, I thought he did an extraordinary job. Uh, what did what did all of you think? Yeah, I agree. I I, I wasn't uh, aware of that. You know, the, the whole druidic tuition. I was ignorant of it. But as he spoke, he spoke so eloquently and so powerfully, and he spoke from his heart of his lifelong experience. And I found myself making many deep comparisons between my own personal spiritual journey and things that he's done and known and experienced. And I was really surprised. I didn't expect that at all. Uh, but it was a beautiful talk, and it really uplifted me. I, I loved what he said about, you know, living uh, in the the woods for as long as he did, which was a substantial amount of time, and planting trees. I, he planted millions of trees. Um, Henry Red Cloud talked about planting um, trees. And when I walk through the woods, I feel very connected to the trees. I'm always looking at them and looking up at them and they're, they're, they're beautiful living beings. And, and Richard's presentation about being close to the land and living on it in, in the mountains was really, was really profound. It was profound to hear him talk about that time of his life. He lived in the forest for 18 years. And among other things, he's a fire dancer. He 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 dances with um, I can't remember if it's nine or twelve uh, heads of fire when he dances. He has everything is moving at the same time. He's he's a remarkable man. Yeah, I I it was amazing when I saw him um, and when he started to speak. Um, I just laughed because, you know, it was, since I was a child, I always had this, this connection with the um, elemental beings from the forest. Um, I draw them a lot and they present to me in dreams in my room. It was something, at some point I, I just, ask them for stuff because I, at some point I, I was thinking that I was getting crazy. Um, and I had a lot of repression of that at, at some moment when I was going through my um, teenage period that is, of course, very confusing. Um, so I just laughed because I couldn't believe I, I was having him in front of me. So I took a lot of pictures of him because I wanted to, I wanted to draw him, and I will do. I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna send him the the drawing because it was, you know, for me it was just fantastic and magical to have him in front of me talking about the forest. Yeah, that's great. He'll love that. <laughs> he he does look like he does look like sort of like an elemental being. <laughs> he, he is. I, 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 yeah. I saw it. You know, I saw, you, you know, you, you can see a person, you can see a human being, you know, body, but also you can see their spirit, and certainly <laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah, That's why I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree. 
Well, it was interesting, too, because each time the group went out to go to the Badlands or Devil's Tower or or, uh, Bear Butte, um, a rattlesnake was on the road um, when the group went by. And, you know, the snake, of course, is a symbol of Kundalini activation. And Monday morning when we were packing up, uh, Dennis and I were in the tent that we used for lectures and um, what kind of snake was it, Dennis, that came into the tent? Uh, a bull snake? It was or? a bull snake. Yeah, it was a bull snake that was just kind of hanging around outside the tent, real close to the tent. Um, that was pretty, pretty wild. Pretty, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we saw, very snake, we saw a snake on the road to the Badlands. We saw another snake on the road to um, Devil's Tower, Bear Lodge. Uh, we saw... I saw a snake right in front of my path walking around underneath Devil's Tower. And then a few days after the conference, I was camping with my daughters at Mount Rainier, and I saw another snake right in front of me uh, just a few days later. <laughs> so there, there were lots of snakes. <laughs> and I, I love snakes. I don't, they don't bother me at all, so they're, they're a blessing. I was happy to see them. Wow, lots of activation. Mm-hmm. The other thing I really appreciated was uh, I got to spend uh, quite a bit of time with Alana Friedland, and um, I'm reading her uh, her fiction series, four parts, and I, I really liked her presentation. But I, I enjoyed even more just talking to her. She's got a lot of a lot of wisdom and is a, just a really terrific person. And uh, it's it's wonderful to be reading. Sub Rosa America and and having spent time with with its author. Yeah, she was an amazing addition to the conference. She's so knowledgeable and such a lovely soul and spirit. Uh, and being an expert on Rudolf Steiner, she brought so much to all of the conversations. Mm-hmm. So any anything else specific you'd like to share? Um, Joe, anything about your meditations? Sure, sure. sure. Um, uh, Dennis mentioned that he felt a, a great energy around uh, Bear Lodge, uh, Devil's Tower, and I felt the same energy there that night. It, just, it was just an awesome, powerful energy. We had, um, the group had just ate dinner, kind of just in a little area right off the parking lot, and I had agreed earlier to do a meditation, and I just had got this inner knowing that it needed to be all be about the earth because we were in a sacred spot, a powered spot, a spot that's been sacred to the Native peoples for at least 10,000 years. And so I had that knowing. And then right as we were finishing dinner, all this, there was a few clouds moving in, and there was a storm kind of in the southwest. And then uh, I just got this deep urgency, which is unlike me, that we had to go up right now and do, do this meditation because mm-hmm. we had picked a spot just a few hundred feet up the trail. There's a big flat spot under, under the tower. And even though there were some people out of their cars and whatnot, I just had this real funny but deep urgency. So I just I said, okay, it's time to go. Come on, whoever wants to do the meditation. We went up. We did the meditation. It was a very beautiful meditation. It was, uh, it was all about the earth and about our connection to the earth. And I simply let the words flow just out of my soul, just intuitively as we were there meditating and we connected to the earth in a very deep way. And then we also, it really turned into a, a prayer for the healing and for the upliftment of the earth. 
And as our meditation was progressing, the clouds came right overhead, and there was the most dramatic flashes of lightning happening right mm -hmm. over us, lighting up the whole side of the tower intermittently. And there was some rumbling, rolling thunder. Um, and as we finished our meditation with this strong, deep, soulful prayer for the earth, the lightning was just getting intense over us and lighting mm -hmm. up the tower. And it was really dramatic. And the sense of energy there was incredible. I was almost like dazed or stunned. I felt it flowing mm -hmm. so strongly. And then also right as we ended, I just had this other knowing about timing, which was we had, I just knew we had just a few minutes to walk back down the trail to our cars before the rain was going to hit. And so I told the group, time to go down. We only have a few minutes. And sure enough, I got back down the trail. I got in my car, closed the door, and then the rain just started dumping <laughs> as soon as I closed the door <laughs> on my car. <laughs> but it was such a powerful event. I was actually in kind of an altered state of consciousness for several hours afterward. And I literally, I couldn't talk. I, I, was, dri I was driving several other people back to Wasta. And I, I just couldn't talk. I just had to sit in silence and process what had just happened. It was so powerful energetically. I felt like there was an enormous alignment, far bigger than just us. It was the timing, the lightning, the tower, uh, everything just had come together for some, some alignment. And our intention was all around the upliftment of the earth. And I felt like many aspects of the earth were there with us, uh, aligned in that intention. Well, there was also a craft overhead, which Annie and Joan, uh, Oshi and um, Beulah um, saw, right, Annie? Yeah. yeah, Joan and Beulah and I had, um, at the time when the, other, the rest of the group was heading off for the, for the meditation, we um, drove in the car and we were sitting on the side of the road just watching the tower and watching the lightning show around it and it was so so clear that this was not your ordinary lightning storm this was an extraordinary event and um <clears throat> we we really had quite i think we were there maybe 10 15 20 minutes yeah it, it, it the meditation like was only 11 minutes it was actually yeah. short but very powerful. Right. So it was one of those out-of-time experiences in a way. And and then we, you know, it, it sort of calmed down a little bit because we could see that the rain was coming down. But it was not raining where we were. We could see that it was raining there. But where we were watching, it was not raining. And we could see the lights. Uh, that were not lightning. It, it wasn't lightning lights that we were seeing. And it, it was quite profound because we kept saying to each other, what are we really seeing here? And um, Bula Nawagaba, the most delightful person, I, I, I think of all the people that I met at the conference, Bula stands out for me. I spent so much time with her. And we learned about some of the connections that we have back here in Ontario. We just connected on so many levels. And she was able to tell us some of the things that her guides were sharing with her about this experience. But that's her story, so I'm not going to repeat that here. But it it, it was a really very special experience. And then we decided, okay, 
if we don't leave now, they're all going to get back to the hotel before we do. And we turned the car around to go back in the direction where we were headed because we had turned the opposite direction in order to sit and look at the tower. And we sort of had a very out-of-time experience because eventually found ourselves on a road where we did not know where we were or how we had gotten there and had to stop the car and just sit and reorient for a while and figure out which which way to go to get home. And we we all three just pondered over that <laughs> for the rest of our time there is what happened? <laughs> what did Really? What, so you just see you had that sense too, that kind of what just happened sense because I had yeah. that sense it was so powerful. I literally couldn't talk for the next two hours. I just had to process, yeah. like, what, what was that? That was just mind-boggling, yeah. and I don't even know. Exactly. I, 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 I can't even have words to describe it. I was in an ultra state of consciousness, and I, I don't even have words to describe it. Well, I understand completely what you're saying, because at the point when we realized that we, and we kept saying to each other, we did turn the right direction, didn't we? And, I, and, and we all agreed, yes. We turned the right direction, but we did not know what happened to us. Or, and we looked at the clock and we're saying, did, what happened? Did we just slip out of time somewhere? Where are we? What time is it? Where are we going? And it, it, was, it, it was truly a phenomenal experience. <laughs> not one that you can spend much time talking about because you can't figure it out with words. Indeed, it was just, it was one of those deep, profound, just almost overwhelming energetic experiences and words almost just fail us. Yeah. At least yeah. describing our inner state. I can describe the external scene of, you know, the lightning and the tower and standing there in the darkness mm -hmm. under it, but I, 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 my words just fail me to try to describe the energetics I feel, felt flowing yeah. through me and through the entire space we were in, you know, high, including high above us. Mm-hmm. Well, what was really interesting about the conference and the timing of the conference is I have a very dear friend on Pine Ridge named Cindy Catches, and there are there's an interview with Cindy Catches on the New Observations podcast. Um, Cindy was married to a very well-respected medicine man named Peter Catches, and her father-in-law was Pete Catches, who's an even more well-respected medicine man, and their family um, holds the oldest Sundance on Pine Ridge. Um, it's been around for more than 40 years. I think it's 47 years, remembering correctly. And her Sundance was the same dates as our conference. And in talking to Cindy after it was over, um, we had parallel experiences in terms of the first couple of days of the conference, it was extremely hot, even though we had a big fan and a, a swamp cooler uh, up front for the speakers. It was still hot in the tents um, for everybody. And um, there was a certain amount of negative energy at the conference and also at Cindy's Sundance. And then Saturday night, which was when you were all at um, Bear Lodge or Devil's Tower, the energy shifted. And on Sunday morning, the air was cool and the heat was gone and the energy was much cleaner 
and brighter, uh, both here and at Cindy's Sundance. Mm -hmm. And I have not shared with people um, the fact that um, throughout the conference, for the four days of the conference, I fasted just as I would have had I been participating in a Sundance ceremony. And um, I prepared all the meals, as you know, and the Lakota have um, take take food preparation very seriously. And um, you're supposed to put your best into what you prepare and share with others, your best energy and your best intention and and your best love too. So my intention throughout this was in fact um, to bring all of that to bear on what, what we were doing here. And for Cindy and I to have it dovetail so specifically between what her reality was at her Sundance and what our reality was at, at this conference and the, um, the elevation, um, you know, the fact that people were having spontaneous Kundalini experiences and crown chakra openings at an event like this is, is rather extraordinary. Yeah, it was definitely a very powerful event for me, and I, uh, I'm greatly, uh, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that I had a chance to participate and experience in that. It was really an awesome thing. Well, I'm grateful you were all there. Um, I uh, debated about whether or not to have the conference in the time of the virus, and I must say, um, for the, the several months leading up to it. Every day there were moving parts because people were changing their minds about this, that, and the other thing, and it was extremely difficult to plan to plan anything, really. Mm-hmm. And um, people don't realize that the motel building next to the tent um, actually was finished about two hours before people arrived um, wow. because the owners were not able to get workers um, to work when the virus first hit. So we um, were behind schedule in, in many, many ways, which I did not learn of until I got out to WASTA uh, one month before the conference began, uh, to the day, really. So um, I arrived on the 22nd of June, and the conference began July 23rd. I feel like in spite of all the uncertainties and all the sort of zigzags, everything unfolded in a way that was actually just fine. Oh, I agree. I agree with you, Joe. I believe it unfolded exactly as it was meant to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The energy was so high when mm-hmm. every when everybody was leaving. I've you know I've certainly heard a few complaints, but most people are still walking on cloud nine. Yeah, the energy was so high that Sunday, that Monday morning when you know we were gathering and saying goodbye. Everybody just felt uplifted, and I certainly personally felt greatly uplifted. I think we really boosted each other by coming together. Yes, absolutely. Yes, definitely. And um, another aspect um, that was really intriguing for me was was the art exhibit. Uh, Miffy's art exhibit. I thought her work um, is really interesting, and 
involves aspects of consciousness that I don't I've never seen an artist incorporate into their work and the 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 gallery space was was it was it was fun to watch her building it because it's a lot of work and and then to walk over uh, at night when it was all lit up in that in that space which was perfect for her her work was really a great experience have everybody together there and interact with um, with her art was I, I thought was just a, a fantastic part of the conference. I agree. I think your installation was beautiful, Maffy, and um, and great, you know, just cutting edge uh, in terms of incorporating technology in that in that kind of a way. I I hope that people understand um, how, just how groundbreaking your work is at this moment in time as we head into this arena of artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. It was a perfect way to start the conference because her her work reminds each of us that we are energy beings. Mm-hmm. You know, as we see our energy interact with the energy of the exhibit in various ways, it, it shows us, you know, very demonstrably that we are energetic beings. Which goes back yeah. to this theme yeah. of our own consciousness and how do we advance our consciousness. Yeah, in a right. really beautiful way. In a really beautiful way. That that's what was so intriguing about it because it's it it shows that energy and that interactive aspect of of energy energy that we throw off and the artwork responds to that and that that was really beautiful mm-hmm. i would have to say that my experience with the art exhibit and then later with talking with maffy um really equals in in its sense of of inner resonation with power the experience i had in seeing the craft on top of the hill um when i was talking with maffy and maffy i think you'll probably remember this we both got to kind of a point where we were both in tears over having had this conceptualization merge in the experience and I, I it was just such a profound experience for me. I want to say again, thank you, Maffy, for that experience and for that opportunity to share with you. That was that was a very meaningful part of my experience at the conference. Thank you, everybody. I'm I'm in tears right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, it was it was very very exciting for me, and it was very emotional because. Um, it it's exactly you know all all the feedback that you gave me and also the the space the people who came by um for the inauguration but also in the following days the fact that um you know it was practically like a crystal box and we you know i i i was in the situation that i had to to um you know uh commulgate i think is the word like to to follow nature to like to be mm-hmm. part of the night experience and you know for me that situation about darkness and light is very important meaningful mm-hmm. uh, and you know having all these these uh openness 
um, with you, I had, I also had a very deep connection with the space. I, I, you know, my plan was to install in three days and I ended working for five days because I really, really connect with the place. I, I understood that part of, part of the experience was to be there in the town and be part of the transformation of the space in some way. So, um, it was very deep for me too. Um, I feel more like I'm channeling that work. You know, it's not fully my, um, I'm there. I'm of course I'm I'm there. I'm available that for that to happen. But I feel amazed at at the same level that you are with what happens because I never know what is gonna happen. Um and I think that's very beautiful, you know, because I, I put together the installation but I never know what is gonna happen, how mm-hmm. the machines are gonna behave, how the people are gonna interact, what are the conversations that this is gonna trigger and the transformation. So for me it was a very, very important and deep experience. Um I'm still processing, like literally sometimes I just I just close my eyes and I'm immediately in the badlands or I'm having a very profound reflection into something that, but it's just an in, instantaneous, you know? I, mm-hmm. I don't even, before going there, you know, I had these daily meditations in my morning. Now it's, Practically, I just close my eyes and I'm out. Um, mm-hmm. Or in. yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> you know? so I can relate to that too, my face. Yeah, so it's like I I don't, and I hear you talking about the work that I'm doing, and I, and I cannot believe it, but in a good way, you know. It's like it's like it's it's like if if you were there with me the whole process. Um, so for me that this is groundbreaking and I certainly, I mean, I came back to New York knowing that I have to make some decisions in my life. Um, you know, as Mia said, with patience, without rushing anything, but it's very clear. I mean, I don't have any, not one percentage of doubt inside of me of this is the thing that I have to do. This is what I meant to be doing. And you all, every single word that you share share with me this at this very moment and when we were there in WhatsApp, just clarify that for me. So that is it's that big, you know, the the transformation that this experience is bringing to my life. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. <laughs> I think I think that that space is very special. There's a wonderful quality to it. Um, as as you noted, Maffy, it's an indu- industrial space. But the fact that that glass door can be raised like that and let the the night into the space was so magical and to then have the machines um, be all different colors and, um, you know, changing colors and changing patterns. And um, it, it was truly uh, transporting. And 
in a way became kind of like the electronic version of the night sky. It was really spectacular. So congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. One of the things that I think is um, an interesting piece of information to be aware of, the the hill that is above the building that Thunderheart Hotel is, that hill has a natural spring underneath it, which supplies the town with its source of water. And the the electrical lines that go to the poles at the top of that hill are what power the pump to pump that spring water to the to the town water supply. And about 15, 16 years ago, there was a huge rainstorm where a big portion of the hill slid down, and it it did something to disrupt the the spring. And then after that, the town allowed people to go up there and gather sand and dig out sand. So there's been disruption to this very ancient, powerful spring. But that is the spot that I saw the ship hovering above. And there's really no accident that the strength between sources of water, especially natural springs, and the energy of spirit is extremely powerful. We hear that around the world. So Wasta has, in, in, in its very tiny little sphere, it has a, an extremely powerful source of energy. So I just think well, that, that was something interesting. Wasta means water. Um, and... I've I've lived here not at the moment. I've only been here for a month, but I've lived here for a year, uh, just under a year. And the ships are out all the time. Uh, they come down directly below uh, the hill as well in what is the backyard here, and they zip around. Um, you'll quite often... Uh, see a craft power up, make zigzags, uh, just one craft, not multiple lights, uh, zigzagging around. And often I get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and I'll always look out the window for four or five minutes just to see if any anybody's out there. And, you know, nine times out of ten uh, at three o'clock in the morning, they're out there saying hello. So it's very very common and in fact you know they're with me all the time um yesterday driving to rapid city i was looking at the sky and it was very clear that there was a formation of several ships um up there it's interesting that you mentioned that annie i i kept feeling drawn to go walk up that hill it seemed very mm-hmm. special i i didn't have time to do it but i i every time i walked out of that hotel, I kept look, looking at that hill, and it just seemed very special. And I, I wondered where the water source for Wasta was because mm-hmm. I didn't get the sense that water was being um, brought in from elsewhere, but I, did, I never saw a pump uh, house or anything. And um, it's interesting you found that out. I, 
that answered a question that I had that I had asked a few people that um, didn't actually know, which was um, kind of interesting. Well, Billy took me on a, on her uh, four-wheeler and took me up to that site, and we spent some time up there walking around, and then she told me that story. So that Wasta itself as a location is pretty significant, I think. It felt, yeah, well, it, 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 it felt very significant, the, the whole town. Mm-hmm. Um, Spirit brought me to Wasta. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, the movie Thunderheart was filmed in this building. Um, it came out in 1992. It's been one of my favorite films for all of that time. And John Fusco, who produced and wrote the screenplay for Thunderheart, which was directed by Michael Apted, wrote an extraordinary article um, about his time on Pine Ridge and the making of the movie in the New Observations uh, issue on Pine Ridge. But um, in 2016, I got to know Alex Whiteplume, who's on the cover of the uh, New Observations issue on Industrial Hemp. And if you watch to the very end of the movie Thunderheart, you'll see a very special thanks to Alex Whiteplume. So for 30 years, there's been a quantum entanglement between this place and um, the movie and me and Alex. And I um, originally was staying at Henry Red Cloud's property when I got out here um, right after Thanksgiving in 2018. And for various reasons, that did not work out. And I went to Craigslist, as I often do, and saw interior photos of these newly renovated units and drove out here and and knew this was the place. Um, And then um, the owners of the property, Larry and Adelaide Fuss, came to the conference last year on the last day. uh, And we decided to do this residency program together. But every step of the way, I was guided to WASTA. There's no question about it. Yeah, you're, and your artist and residency program is going to be amazing when, when all the work is done to get that up and running. Uh, it's such a perfect spot to do something like that. Well, to be able to bring creative people out here where they're exposed to um, – such a powerful place and Lakota culture and spirituality uh, along with scenery that you cannot see anyplace else. Uh, there's no, there's no way that you could be anything other than inspired. Yeah, for sure. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Mia, you had at one time shared with me that in one of your conversations with someone who's knowledgeable about these things, she gave you a comment regarding WASTA. What, can you tell us more about Yeah, that? actually, Erica Nair, who's the um, previous publisher of New Observations magazine, was considering moving to North Carolina, and I encouraged her to have an, um, a relocation chart done to see how she would make out living there based on her her birth chart. And um, she's staying in Massachusetts where she's been for quite some time. But 
out of the blue, she told me that she decided to ask the astrologer about WASTA because she was considering coming out here to do a residency. And the astrologer said that this was one of the most powerful places she had ever seen when she looked at the chart. And, you know, I don't need to be convinced. I felt it as soon as I got out here and, um, you know, continued to to feel it. Um, this is definitely one of my homes. And um, thank goodness, you know, I just feel so blessed to have found this place. Well, I know yes, it's I, one I, of my go-to spots. I have, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> now that I have a very intense experience leaving, um, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was really difficult for me to to leave. I had I had just to you know, okay, I'm gonna make my, uh, I'm gonna do my backs and I'm gonna leave. Otherwise, you know, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> <clears throat> And it's such a funky little town. I mean, in the sense, in the 2018 census, it said there were 22 people living in Wasta. So that was just two years ago. And it's pretty, probably pretty close to what it is today. So we more than doubled the population for a few days. Well, I think WASTA is representative of um, a, a, I don't know what you would call it, but it's it's part of, I don't know, it's like a little kernel that represents something much larger. Because what happened on this continent over the past, oh, I don't know, 500, 600 years, has been a gradual taking over of this powerful indigenous land by a a system of thinking and doing and being that is not life affirming it it extracts life it sucks life out of us out of the earth it it focuses on product and produce and commerce it does not recognize spirit and this has been covered over it's been layered over like many layers of shellac over the whole continent over the whole hemisphere i mean this is a process that happened on other continents long ago but we're in the lakota territory it's only in the last 200 years that this heavy weight of colonial oppression has landed as heavily as it has. It's been extremely focused on the Lakota. They are the most disenfranchised uh, First Nations on the continent. They Truly, they live in a prison camp, and that's the intention of the U.S. government. So I think that if you look at WASTA as a kernel representing, it's just a little tiny spot with just a few people but it represents 
the larger picture. It's like a little hologram. And if that little place can be healed, if the spirit can be restored at that place, there is tremendous hope for what is to come. And I, I think that the relationship with the Lakota people and the people who attended this conference and are going to be attending the art center, the the art residency programs going on there in the future, I just think there's a generative force that's gathering right now, and it has great, great potential for healing. Thank you, Annie. I, I completely agree. I think it's... Um going to transform many things on many levels and it that's already started uh to happen you know and when i was um you know because i came out a little early um i was driving and i heard um an interview with a law professor from university of south dakota and he's been very active in in uh, native american issues and he was talking about reconciliation and also talking about a fairly recent Supreme Court case about taking uh, taking of lands, native lands. And the, it was very encouraging to hear him speak because the, the Supreme Court ruled that Congress is the only body that's authorized to take native land, um, ad- additional land, and they, they've never authorized doing that. And so his point was that <clears throat> There needs to be a a real hard look at, at, at land and native land and how it has been de facto de facto taken, and then some reconciliation. And so there seems to be maybe a, a spirit of that that's starting to arise, and that's really important because we need to do that. This country needs to mm-hmm. do that, and it would it, w- it would be very healing and very good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, I think we're seeing signs of change um, in in many ways. Uh, the DARPA pipeline um, is is a big part of that too. Um, the the fact that uh, that the ruling came down that they have to close the pipeline and clean it out. Um, you know, there are just a lot of um, signs that change is is in fact happening and um and just the beginning we're really at the the very Mm -hmm. beginning of all of it yeah we can't relax we can't let go of the need to press forward and and write some of the things that need to be set right we have to keep working absolutely absolutely and it's it's our job to do it because those of us who come from European backgrounds are the inheritors of what has happened as a result of actions in the past by people who look like us. We have that heavy responsibility and it's not something to be shoved off onto other people or indigenous people or a government. It's something each of us as individuals have to be very, very conscious of being doing the hard work of being in right relationship. And that was one of the things about Maffey's work that really touched me is when you are thinking about the relationship and the interaction that you have with energy, there are things that happen that 
just magnify your efforts. I I I don't know quite how to put it into words, Maffie, but it really struck me in just that short little period of time that I spent with your art how very important it is for us to be aware and conscious of the energy that we have within ourselves and how that affects everything around us and that the the key intersection of that is with who we are as people and how we connect on a heart level in a respectful way with other people to just listen to just be and and to be in the right place and in the right relationship isn't always about doing but it's certainly always about us doing our own work taking our own responsibility so that was one of the things that I came away from the conference even more solidified in me yeah that is our spiritual path each of us you know raising our consciousness having a loving intent having a uh, the highest frequency or the the Christ consciousness flow through us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what seems to be that 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 awakening seems to be happening worldwide, and and mm-hmm. people seem to are that's always been marginalized. Annie, you were talking about about it earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have this really extractive material perspective that's been imposed upon people and there are aspects of it that provide great things but a lot of it's very dark and Mm -hmm. exploitive and marginalizes our our energetic being and our spirituality and and i think those chains are being thrown off worldwide you see revolutions Mm -hmm. happening worldwide and and it's time for reconciliation there are native peoples all over the world that have had their lands invaded and resources extracted and and the people really enslaved and marginalized and and that's not good for anybody mm-hmm. it's not good for anybody and it's not good for for this planet well and i think it's also important to recognize that that the process that entrenches that level of oppression began thousands of years ago on the European continent, on the Asian continent. Uh, in every place that humans have existed, that that darkness has always been there, but it seems to have really gotten its grip on, on the European nations maybe 700, 800 years ago or longer, and we're reaping... The, the windfall of that, which is death and destruction. It's it's not leading us to life, even though, like you said, there are some good things that come out of the focus on materialism, but we've totally lost our balance and lost our way. So hopefully getting more in touch with a spiritual consciousness is going to be something that will shift things so that we can begin to restore some balance and show some respect to to restoring and rekindling our indigenous spirit. Yes, definitely. I think, you know, one of the things that I realize is that um, there's a simple thing there that we tend to forget that is 
we are not separated from nature. Um, yeah. And when you really experience that, um, as it happened during these different encounters that we have during the conference, you come back to your balance in some way, mm-hmm. and and you are able to interact with others in a very um, loving way because, mm-hmm. you know, if we are able to interact with machines, how aren't we going to be able to interact with other human beings or other living beings? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was my whole point. So the... Um, this uh, experience of being in front of a of an object that is sensitive, and, and we can affect that object that way, and the space that this object dwells in. Imagine how much we affect we can affect in in both ways, like in a positive way, but also in a destructive way, in a violent way. Others and others. You know, other beings, other spaces. So for mm-hmm. me, that was also a very uh, important lesson that I learned from both, from from what Henry Red Cloud was um, saying to us about their the history, how you know how they experience history, and also for me because I I'm. I come from a culture that is still tribal too. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very close because I'm South American, so I'm very close to some of the references of the symbols. But the cl- the, the clarity that mm-hmm. in their language, I mean, for me mm-hmm. it was just amazing to know that they don't have the word hate in their language. That is mm-hmm. so so impactful. I mean, if you don't have the word to express hate, that means that you probably don't feel hate. And I I was just like, okay, oh, this is big, you know, it's a, because we use language all the time and we create a world surrounded by language. So I think there, I mean, the what they told us were so simple, but at the same time so powerful. Um, the same happened with um, Chief Avril and his wife. I was, at the moment that these men entered that space, mm-hmm. I was, I felt that that presence, definitely. I mean, I, I, I came nearby to him to put him the microphone, and I thought about it twice, you know, mm-hmm. because I felt him very, very clear. And when he started to, to talk, I couldn't, you know, contain my tears. I was, mm-hmm. my entire body was so um, energized. It was so um, experiencing every single word. There's something about the use that they have about the language that is mm-hmm. very powerful. So I think we need to learn a lot from them, you know. So mm-hmm. it's it's a very different way to approach um, this this um, culture. From we need to come to them to help them to do something, 
that when you come, because you know that you have something to learn, they they know more about the relationship, like a balanced relationship with nature than what we know. And I think that is a great opportunity in the cultural exchange. I think that is a very good opportunity to, you know, be a potential change maker too. Well, I sincerely hope that everybody everybody went home um, with an open heart and the ability to um, process what they received. Um, I um, certainly have have gotten overwhelmingly positive uh, comments and and emails from people uh, and also had conversations with people. But I, I do think that some of it may have missed its mark um, in, in the case of some of the attendees. So I hope that in time, um, all of this filters through and they're able to absorb, you know, all of the things that all of you absorb because they're, they're certainly of the highest value in my opinion. Indeed. That was a great conference. Thanks for it all your was. work putting it together. Yeah, yeah. it was, Thank a, you it was so a lot much. of work. Thank you. It was a tremendous effort, Mia, and you benefited uh, so much in doing it. <clears throat> we all did. Well, I I was told it had to happen this year after last year that it was um, kind of the closure of what we began last year. So um, I really didn't feel like I had a choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for following the guidance of the spirit. Yes. I, <laughs> and thank I, de- I definitely did. <laughs> and, and I, you know, from my perspective, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. I, you know, on Monday morning when you all left, there's, no place where I had any doubt that it hit its mark. I knew it had hit its mark. Yeah, I feel that um, too. It certainly yeah. hit its mark with me and and my own journey. So thank you. My pleasure. Well, do any of you have anything you'd like to add before we uh, close? Well, nothing I other hope than just to say again. thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mia. Yes, thank you so much, and I hope our paths can cross again. Oh, me too, uh, for all of you, and I'm sh- I have no doubt that they will. So thank you so much for joining us, and until next time, bye for now. Mm-hmm.